Well, for the last week, I have been in Abilene, Texas at ACU taking a ministry class uh, in a, a graduate course taught by our good friend Carson Reed, and I got to spend the week with him talking about practical theology and ministry in the church, and um, it was an incredibly inspiring and encouraging and exhausting week, um, and so got back in about 11.30 last night and, and worn out, uh, but it was, it was a good week. Um, this has been a, a pretty crazy summer uh, for a lot of us in a lot of different ways with family things and trips and camps, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it, was, it was a good summer for me to be able to take a break from preaching and focus on some other things around here. And so I really appreciate Lee for um, preaching all the way back when, when we left for the mission trip and uh, Patrick doing his series and Clint last week uh, all did a wonderful job. Thank you guys very much. It's, it's good to hear other voices. It's good for us. It's good for me to hear voices. It's good for me to sit in the pew and uh, sit through a sermon with my wife as well. And so um, I appreciate the opportunity to do that over the last uh, several weeks. Um, so we are jumping in on a new series here in prayer titled Restore Us Again. And so let's start with some prayer. God, we thank you so much for this incredible morning that we've had so far. Thank you for the opportunity of worship, the opportunity of fellowship, the time together this morning. God, I pray that you will speak to us, that you will restore us, that you will uh, dig into the very inner uh, of who we are and help us to encounter you in new and fresh ways. God, I pray that you will bless me as I, I, I share this morning and that you will help all of us to hear you in new ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Vince Lombardi joined the Green Bay Packers in 1958 as the head coach, and uh, the Packers were not doing so well. Actually, for 10 years, they had not been doing so well, and uh, he inherited this franchise that was in serious trouble. And so they were at the bottom of their standings, morale was low, things were not looking good for them, and so they bring in this new head coach, and, and Lombardi, Lombardi comes in, and he is, is energetic, he's excited, he, he is ready to turn this team around. And so, pumped up, he starts leading practices, he works to inspire, he works to train and motivate the team. And there is one, one practice that is particularly frustrating, and he, he blows his whistle and, and says, okay, everybody gather around, everybody gather around. And he kneels down and he picks up a football and says, gentlemen, this is a football. I am the coach, you are the players, this is out of bounds. And he continues to go on describing to them the very basics of football. And so here, here are these professional football players. They have some experience, right? Too much experience losing, but they have experience. <laughs> they should know what a football is. But he goes back to basics and simplifies it down for them and says, gentlemen, this is a football. And so this series on prayer is an opportunity for us to step back and say, this is prayer. It may sound like a basic description to you. It may be something that you are experienced with. It may be something that you struggle with. It may be something that you don't even engage in. 
But for all of us, regardless, at, uh, regardless of where we're at individually in our own prayer life, in our own relationship with God, we all need to take steps back at times to the very basics and say, this is prayer. This is what it is. This is why we do it. This is why it's important. And these are the things that get in the way of prayer. And so today we launch into this six-week series titled Restore Us Again. And with this, we're going to spend 40 days of prayer together, every day praying. And so this, this guide that each of you should have will give you a, a daily place where you can, you can check off and keep track of, of the prayer that you're doing. And you, can, you can spend some time journaling and you can spend some time reflecting. And so I want you to, for now, open up to page six of that, and this is a place where you can take a few notes on the sermon, and so there will be a spot for each of the sermons in this booklet. We'll just start there on page six. We'll talk more about that booklet in a moment. In the same way Lombardi had to introduce his players to football again, we need to be reintroduced into what prayer is. It seems like it's very basic. It seems like we're taking a step back to say, this is prayer. Because prayer, as it's defined, is a very simple thing. Prayer is simply personal communication with God. It's a simple definition, right? Is it easy to do? Is it an easy discipline to build into your life? Prayer as communication with God is, is something that's uh, includes a lot of different things that we talk about. It's prayer requests for each other, for ourselves. It's a confession of sin. It's, it's adoration. Many of our songs are songs of adoration. Praise and thanksgiving. It's also God's communication with us. As we think of prayer, it's communication between us and God. But even with a simple definition, that doesn't make it easy, Right? That doesn't make it something simple to be in our lives because prayer isn't a natural activity. It's not natural for us to engage in prayer. I don't know about you, but I was raised to be self-sufficient. And I'm trying to raise my kids to be self-sufficient because I don't want to change their diapers forever, right? You know, to a certain degree, we want our kids to be self-sufficient. We have, we have a almost toddler. She is like on the brink of wanting to walk, and she's crawling, and so she's mobile, right? And we don't want her to stay that way forever, kind of, but not really. We want her to, to graduate from crawling to walking, and we want her to graduate from walking to feeding herself and, and to not having to use a diaper, right? They're, they're, these are these big landmarks in raising kids to be self-sufficient, and that continues on into adulthood. We don't want to be the ones that are dependent on our parents. We want to be able to grow to be independent, to have our own place to live, to have our own source of, of income, to, to be able to take care of ourselves. And, and our culture emphasizes that to the extreme, that we are all individuals, we're all capable of doing things on our own. Don't try to help me because I can do it myself. That sounds like a toddler and it sounds like an adult, right? Just as much as, as my child wants to say, I can do it myself, I come in and say, I can do it myself. 
Don't try to tell me how to do it. And so prayer is the exact opposite of that because prayer is not about self-sufficiency. Prayer is about dependency on God. And so when we come to God in prayer, we're making ourselves less and Him greater. We're less reliant on ourselves and more reliant on Him. And so the more reliant we become on Him and the less reliant we become on ourselves, the better our prayer life becomes. The natural course of life is for me to try to figure it out myself and for me to engage in prayer says, I can't figure it out myself. That I need God to come into this situation because I am not able to do it myself. And so when we get to something that we don't know a lot about, when we, think, when we get to some topic like prayer and we want to study prayer, what is your natural inclination When I get into something that I'm not very familiar with, my natural go-to thing is to get a pile of books. Go get lots of books on the subject and and learn a lot, read a lot, listen to lectures, and, and really trying to engage in an intellectual pursuit. If you were to look at my resume, you would know that I have lots of training and lots of experience in communication and conflict resolution. I've taken lots of classes on interpersonal communication. See, I can't even spit it out as a communicator. Um, (laughs) Interpersonal communication, conflict resolution, organizational development, leadership, all these kinds of things. I even have quite a few classes in, in marriage and relationships and those kinds of dynamics as well. And that's where a lot of my training is at. And so in some ways, I am an expert in these things. And so ask my wife how much of an expert I am in these things. The difference, she's like, I'm not going to say. Jason's just going to get away from that. He's like, don't want to be in the middle of that at all. There is a difference between knowledge and practice, right? My knowledge about communication, my knowledge about relationships and, and, and marriage dynamics and all those kinds of things, knowledge of that is very different than the practice of that, Right? And too often we focus on knowledge and we neglect practice. And and prayer is very much the same way. We can have sermons about prayer. We can have classes about prayer. But are we practicing prayer? Are we going from knowing to practicing? And so as we go through this series, I'm, I'm walking this fine line between not wanting to get too intellectual and get too much content and actually allow us to practice some. And so you're going to see things over the next six weeks that may be a little different from what you're used to in a sermon, where we're going to try to practice prayer, not just talk about it. Because if we get to the end of this six weeks and you just have a series of six lectures on prayer, we're no better. We need to be practicing prayer. I love this um, quote from Michael Jordan. He says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. What a loser, right? (laughs) I've failed and failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. And so practice is not saying I'm going to start something and be perfect at it. Practice means I'm going to start at it and be lousy at it. And it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be hard. I think of of practice whenever we talk about uh, jogging. The casual jogger is not going to run a marathon next week. Not well, anyway. 
And so if you want to get to a marathon, you've got to start with jogging, but there are incremental steps along the way, and you can't stop. You have to keep trying and keep going on. And so we practice prayer. We keep going. We may not be great at it today, but we take one step into that direction. We go out for that jog. And then it turns into a run. And then it turns into miles. And then it turns into a marathon. And so if we will be faithful in practicing prayer, a year from now we can look back and see how we've progressed and how we've grown as ones who are in a prayer relationship with God. And so as we think about prayer, we think about what, what is our motivation for prayer? Because you know, I'm one who needs a lot of motivation. I'm, I'm not a very motivated person. And, and, and I need lots of motivation, and it's usually what I get out of it, Right? But as we think about prayer, what is the motivation for us? Why, why do we even get into prayer? And I would say that if this is where the back to, to prayer 101 becomes so important. Because what is prayer? Prayer is not just a discipline that is forced through. It's not something that you just check off a box. Prayer is an encounter with God. An encounter with God, our Creator. Now, if you could really grasp how incredible that is, that's our motivation for prayer. We are engaging in a relationship with the creator of the universe. And through the work of Jesus, we've been reconciled into this relationship with him, this one that we're able to call Father. And so we engage in a relationship with him. He invites us into that and wants us to engage in prayer. He longs for us to be in that, uh, in prayer. Richard Foster says that prayer ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. We're drawn into this ongoing relationship with him. And so we pray because we want to connect with God and we pray because we want to, to tap into the power that comes from God. He is the source of all things. And so by engaging in a relationship with him, we're able to tap into the power that he provides. When we don't pray, we cut ourselves off to the power that he provides. And we rely on our own power instead, our own strength to be able to engage in life. And that causes us to, to become overwhelmed. It causes us to be overrun, to be beat down and exhausted and defeated. Because we're tapping into our own power instead of the power of God. Prayer unlocks that power for us to live life the way he has designed it. When we have a simple and, and self-centered view of God, we see prayer as something that we initiate to Him. When I'm ready, I ask God for something. But the more we grow in this discipline of prayer, and this practice of prayer, the more we realize that it is not me initiating this with God. I'm responding to what God has already initiated. He's speaking and now I'm listening. Thomas Kelly describes the life of prayer as, as this engaging current of love back and forth between us and God. That word current, it's, it's, it's electric. It goes back and forth. There's this current of love back and forth. And too often we go through lives that are asleep. We're not engaged in this relationship and we're just sleeping through it. We don't see what God's doing. We're not participating in it. 
And when we wake up to the reality of prayer, we see what's going on. We see a God who's engaging with us. Think of it like TV, TV signals. There, there are waves coming through this place, these TV waves. I don't initiate those waves. I turn on my TV and adjust the antennas and try to get that signal. Or for most of us, we just use Netflix, and that's a different thing. It doesn't work anymore. But <laughs> say you had a TV with antennas. There's these currents and, and, and me tapping into those currents don't create the picture. The picture is already there. The picture is floating through there. And we just have to get in on what's already happening. We get in on what's being transmitted to us. We're tuning into what is already there. We're not the ones creating that. We're the ones receiving that. And so as we engage in prayer, we become listeners more than we become speakers. Listening to what God has for us. Tuning into the picture that he's created for us. Have you ever met someone and had a long conversation with them, and then you leave that conversation and you just feel energized? Something special happened in that, rela- in, in that conversation. Maybe it's like a, a love at first sight kind of scenario where, where you, you have this first conversation and sparks fly. Or, or maybe there's a mentor or somebody that you really look up to or like a celebrity of some sort and somehow you get into a conversation with them and, and you leave just excited because this, this went so well. That's prayer. We come to God and we have this conversation and we're energized by it because it is an encounter it's not simply a conversation. It's not simply me listing out the things that I want or the things that I need, but there is an encounter with God. And so I want us to spend some time, I want to I pause for a moment, and I want us to practice a little bit. Instead of just talking about it, I want us to do some of it. I want us to practice what we're, we're talking about. And so I want you to, um, first of all, humor me. And, and let down your guard a little bit and be fully present in this as we spend some time in prayer together now. Let's close our eyes. Just kind of take a breath. Get yourself refocused if you've been thinking about lunch or something else. And with your eyes closed, I want you to think about your breath. Think about your breath that comes in and out. Breath is powerful. It's invisible. It's beyond boundaries. It's pervasive. It's omnipresent. Our breath is everywhere in this space. The word breath, wind, spirit, are all used interchangeably in the Old Testament and the Hebrew. Breath, wind, spirit. These are words that help us imagine the presence of God, the movement of God in us and through us and around us. The current of love, as Kelly describes it. Breathing. In Genesis, God forms 
people in his own image, and, and he gives life to them by giving them his breath. He breathes life into them. In Ezekiel, we have this powerful depiction of these dry bones coming to life because of the breath of God. In Acts, we see the Spirit's Pentecostal visitation incorporating a sound like the rush of a violent wind. Breath, wind, spirit. We're created by God. He breathes life into us. And because of the work of Jesus, we're able to reclaim our place as heirs, as sons, as daughters of God. As you sit there with your eyes closed, think about your breath coming in and out. Be conscious of that breath, this gift of God. Listen to these words from Psalm 139 as you continue to think about the breath that comes in and out. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Meditate on that for a moment. Think about this powerful imagery reminding us of who we are. God knows every bit of us. He made us. He formed us. As you sit there, think about the air that surrounds your body. You breathe that air in. You breathe that air out. You can feel the air on your skin. You can sense the air's presence around you. How far does that air extend from one direction to the other? Pay attention to your breath as you breathe in and breathe out. Take a very deep breath in and hold that breath until it starts to get a little painful. And then exhale that breath. Where does that breath come from? We breathe in a gift from God. We breathe out a gift from God. As you take a breath in, imagine God breathing life into you. He breathes life into you the same way he did with Adam. And now as you exhale... Pray a prayer of thanks to God for that breath. 
God, we thank you for the breath that is in us. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for sustaining us. And we thank you for restoring us. You see, sometimes we just need a moment to pause long enough to see the simple things around us. And open your eyes now. Prayer is often something that is just slowing down long enough to be aware of the things around you. Being able to see what's going on around you, being able to feel what's going on around you, and being aware of God's presence. And so just simply slowing down and acknowledging our breath and acknowledging that God has created us, God has designed us, it motivates us to want more. It motivates us to to be more engaged in a life of prayer because we want to know Him more fully. We're created by Him. He's our Father, and He's calling us into a relationship with Him. But as we engage in prayer, there are enemies at play, things that get in the way of us being able to be effective in prayer. When we seek to engage in a relationship with God, Satan doesn't like that. He wants to come against that, and he's going to fight against that. And so we're going to talk more about about that in more detail further on in the series. But, But for today, I want to quickly run through some things that just really get in the way of us being able to pray. And so, so jot these down, if you will. First is this lack of faith. Just a lack of faith. We have to believe in the God that we're praying to. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then in James chapter 1, verse 6, but, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And so when we look at biblical faith, it's, it's not this kind of wishful thinking that maybe God will, will do something nice for us. It's not a Santa Claus type of faith. Biblical faith looks at at who God is and trusts in God himself. We trust in God. We believe that what he has said is true. When we lack faith, our prayers will lack effectiveness. And so lack of faith. Another one is lack of obedience. Dear friends, 1 John says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Doing the will of the Father pleases our Father. And doing the things that we know that we need to do, being obedient to the things that he has called us to do, pleases him. And this relationship with God grows as we're obedient to what he calls us to. Now, his love is not dependent on obedience. He loves us regardless. But our relationship grows deeper with him as we're obedient. So oftentimes we're praying for things, knowing what God's will is, but we're resistant to doing it. We know what the answer is to that prayer. We're just too stubborn to do it. And so we've got to be obedient to the things God is calling us to. Another thing is a lack of confession. 
a lack of confession. We're never perfectly obedient. We have sin in our lives, and, and we depend on forgiveness of God. We have to depend on Him to forgive the things that are not right in our lives, and confession becomes an important part of prayer in order for us to restore our day-to-day relationship with God. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other in James chapter 5. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so we don't want to take that too far because, because we are made clean and we are made new because of the blood of Jesus. We are perfect because of the blood of Jesus. But if there is willful, willful disobedience in our lives, things that we're not taking care of, we need to be addressing those things so that it doesn't get in the way of our prayer life. The fourth thing is a lack of forgiveness. When we hold bitterness towards someone, it's a sure way to mess up our prayer lives. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, for if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. And so we have to be forgiving others for God to be able to be in this communication with us. And then a last one is just a very practical one. It's just a lack of time. We have lots of distractions in our lives, right? Lots of things that get in the way of us being able to pray. We're a busy people. Eugene Peterson calls busy people, get this, lazy people. Yeah. Busy people are lazy people. He, he plays off of the work of C.S. Lewis and says this, Only lazy people work hard by lazily abdicating the essential work of deciding and directing, establishing values and setting goals other people do it for us. Then we find ourselves frantically and at the last minute trying to satisfy a half dozen different demands on our time, none of which is essential to our vocation. None of which is essential to our relationship with God. To stave off the disaster of disappointing someone. And so what he's saying there is if you are a busy person, if you are too busy to pray, it means you are a lazy person because you are not proactively creating a schedule and creating time to be with God. You're allowing others to dictate your schedule. That hurts. (laughs) That's a tough one. Because we are in control of our schedules. And we need to be proactive about creating time for prayer. So those are things that get in the way. Those are things that we need to be aware of. We need to be cautious of. And so as we head into these 40 days of prayer that start today, I want to kind of orient you a little bit to this book. We're going to be spending 40 days starting today praying. And on uh, page, let's see, page 5, or page 4 and 5, We're going to be praying around three different areas, praying for restoration, praying that God will restore us again. And so we're going to be praying praying for restoration around three things. The first is your big issue. 
We each have a big issue, something that is weighing heavy on us, something that we need help with, something that we need God to act in. Maybe it's a job, it's a relationship, it's finances, it's health. There's a variety of things. It's our big issue. It's probably already popped up into your head what that is. And so we're going to spend every day praying for that big issue for the next 40 days. Another thing we're going to be praying for is the restoration for three friends. We each have friends that need to know Jesus. They, they've either stopped walking with Jesus or they've never started walking with Jesus. And we're going to pray for those three friends every day for the next 40 days. And then finally, we're going to pray for the restoration of the city of Albuquerque. We're going to be praying for our community, the brokenness and the need for Jesus. And so we're going to be praying that God will bring restoration so the first thing I want you to do is to carve out some time this afternoon. Remember, we, we dictate our schedules. We don't allow other people to dictate our schedules. And so try to carve out some time this afternoon to spend some time in prayer. And the first step of prayer that you're going to take is on page five, where you start feel, filling in these blanks. What is your big issue that you want to be praying for for the next 40 days? Write that in that space, and this will bring you back every day to focus on what you're praying for. Who are the three friends that you want to pray for? Write their names down. Commit to praying to, for them for the next 40 days. And then there's a few questions there to help you think about the city of Albuquerque because we each are in unique uh, communities. We each have different neighborhoods. We have different communities. We have different needs in those areas. We have different schools that are, in our, that are near to us. Uh, we know different people who are in public service that need our prayers. And so that will be your guide for the next 40 days. So take that with you. We don't have time to fill it out together today. But take that, fill that out, and commit to spending these next 40 days in prayer. We're going to hold each other accountable to that uh, each Sunday as we gather. So every Sunday, we, we try to wrap up our time together with an invitation to prayer. And so we do that every week, but for the next six weeks especially, we want to make that an especially meaningful time, something where we're, we're really focusing in on a certain issue or a certain topic. And so today, I want us to really focus in on these enemies of prayer, these, these things that get in the way of us having an effective prayer life. And so maybe it's um, confession, maybe it's forgiveness, a lack of time and intentionality. What are the things that are getting in the way of you having an effective prayer life? For many of you, you have an established prayer life, but there's something that you can, something you can do to take it further. For some of us, we, we have avoided this or neglected this in our lives, and we need to initiate starting this. But regardless of where you find yourself on the spectrum, there are things that get in the way of us doing more of what we are called to. And so I want you to sit for just a moment and, and think about what is that thing? What are the things that are getting in the way of you uh, being the prayer warrior that we're called to be? And so you have a little blank slip of paper. Does anybody need a piece of paper? Everybody got one of those little blank slips of paper? And we're going to spend some time prayerfully uh, and this is a time between you and God, a time of, of confession, to write down what are the things that are, are barriers getting in the way of you praying effectively.
And so we're going to walk through an exercise now uh, that's going to get us a little bit um, in, into some physical activity, up and moving around. For me, I find that, that a physical activity helps me to focus my prayers. So I, um, I walk up and down these aisles and pray for these worship gatherings. Um, I, I walk around the property of the church and pray for the neighborhood that we will be a light in this community. There are physical things that we can do to help us focus our prayer time. And so our prayer time this morning is going to focus on the physicalness of this paper, the activity of writing it down and having to go through that. And then we're going we're gonna to play a song and we're going to have the praise team sing a song as, as a time of prayer. And through this time of prayer, uh, you're going to take this card um, and, and if you're willing and open to it, I want you to take this card and I want you to come um, forward and, and come, to, come to the foot of this cross. And prayerfully, this is between you and God, tear up that piece of paper. Throw that piece of paper down at the foot of the cross as an act of surrender. To say, these things that are in the way, I'm giving those things up. I'm going to move forward in a new season of prayer. Those things that have been, been holding me back, I'm going to give those things up to Jesus. And then after you've done that, you can move to one of the communion stations. We've got uh, four in the back and one up here. You can move to one of those communion stations and, and take communion because the two are very connected, right? This surrender to Jesus, the things that you need to give up, happens because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. We come to the communion table and we take bread, the body of Christ that's broken for us. We come to the communion table and take the cup, the blood of Jesus that's been shed for us. And as you take communion, prayerfully commit your lack of faith, your lack of obedience, your lack of confession, your lack of time, Submit that to him. You're surrendering to him in this act. Prayerfully commit over that communion, spending the next 40 days growing in your relationship with God through prayer. So we're going to take that card, written down what's on it. During this next song, uh, you can move forward. I would say if you could come down this aisle over here and kind of come across so we've got a little bit of a flow of people. Surrender that to the cross. Go and spend some time at the communion table and, and reflect on what Jesus has done. Uh, during that time, we're going to have shepherds scattered around as well who can pray with you. If you want to go into deeper prayer with somebody, uh, go to one of those shepherds, go to a friend, gather up a small group. This is going to be a very fluid time for the next 10 minutes where we're really going to be moving around. We're going to be moving to the cross. We're going to be moving to communion tables. You can go and move and pray with others. Um, or you can return back to your seat and just spend some time listening to the song or singing along with the song that the, the praise team will be, be giving us. Okay, let's go ahead and be standing. I know this is different from our normal routine, but I think getting out of our routine is a little bit like saying, 
this is a football. This is what we're doing. When we engage in prayer in our prayer closets, what we are doing is going to the foot of the cross and surrendering our lives to Jesus. And now we're just going through something symbolic of that together. Let's pray, and then we're going to play a song to get us started, and then the praise team is going to join us and um, join in with that. God, we lift this time up to you. God, I pray that this will be a time where we can really engage with you, that we will get, get past any of the differentness of this and really be present with you. God, we want to be people who follow you more fully and more completely. And so now we surrender this time to you. God, help us to give these things up to you. The things that get in the way of our relationship with you, God, we give those to you now. It's in, in Jesus' name we pray.